listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Romans chapter 6 is where we're beginning tonight, and this is so vital that we catch this. Probably, uh, if you ever get a chance to do this, and I hope you do, uh, take out your pen because I'm going to give you a great message to watch, a great message to watch. Um, Deep revelation, and it really, it sounds simple, but there's so much power on it. Pastor Enoch Adeboye uh, preached a message, and it's on YouTube. You can find it. Uh, It's called The Master Key. And if you've never watched that message, The Master Key, I want to extremely push this so extremely hard to you. Watch it. Watch it as soon as you can. Um, Because he talks about how in the kingdom of God, there are keys in the kingdom. Faith is a key. Prayer is a key. Giving is a key. Praise is a key. But he makes the point that none of those keys are the master key. Because every one of those keys, there's something that can happen that will stop it from working. For example, there's something that that could cause your faith to stop working. There are things that could keep your prayers from working. There are things that could keep your, your giving from working. His name is Pastor Enoch Adeboye. A-D-E-B-O-Y-E. A-D-E-B-O-Y-E. Thank you, Emmy, for ordering the book. I appreciate it. And he preached the, the it's called The Master Key. It's not a book, it's a message he preached on YouTube. It's called The Master Key by Pastor Enoch Adeboye. And basically, he teaches on how in the kingdom there are keys. However, in, in the kingdom, those keys are not the master key. Faith is not the master key. Prayer is not the master key. Praise is not the master key. Uh, giving is not the master key because there are things that can stop those from working. He said, but there's one thing, there's one key in the kingdom that nothing can hinder it when you employ it. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can hinder it. And it causes blessings to abound in your life. And his whole message, what he's preaching on is that key is holiness. The key that he's talking about is holiness. Holiness is the master key in the kingdom of God. It opens every door. And and to give you the very simple explanation, holiness is simply obeying the word of God. That's all it is. All holiness is, you know, because people get all bent out of it. Well, what what is holiness? I'll define, I define it this way. No, it's very simple. Holiness is simply obeying the word of God. That's all it is. That's what holiness is, to be set apart. What are, we, what are we set apart to? We're set apart in obedience to the word of God. That's all holiness is. And so he teaches a whole message, which you've got to watch. It's powerful, on how holiness is the master key that opens every door in the kingdom. It opens every door. Nothing is shut to people that will dedicate themselves to living holy before the Lord. Nothing is shut to them. And so that's why I wanted you to turn with me to Romans chapter six. And yeah, if you're writing comments, um, put that in the comments. Um, Holiness is just obedience to God's word. 
Holiness is just obedience to God's word. You know, when you obey God's word, you are separated from sin and you're separated from the rest of the world. I'm double fisting it tonight. Diet A&W, mint medley. And so as you are obedient to the word, you're separated from sin, you're separated from the world, and you're separated unto the covenant. So holiness is just obedience to God's word. That's all it is. Very simple definition. That's what living holy is. And so here in Romans chapter 6, um, I want to read you some of these verses from the Apostle Paul that he wrote to the church in Rome. And we'll start in, um, let's start in verse 12, and then we'll go on down through verse 14. Listen to this as I read this, because this is the foundation tonight. Catch it. Romans 6, verses 12 through 14. And by the way, if you haven't gotten a chance to share the broadcast yet, take a minute to share it, um, and let's, let's get into this. Romans 6, 12. Listen, let not sin, therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death unto life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Now look at verse 14. For sin will no longer have dominion over you since you're not under law, but under grace. Sin will have no dominion over you. So thank you, Kelly. Now this, this needs just a couple of, of uh, things to break down so that we catch it. Um, let me, let me explain something to you about sin. Okay. If you're not saved, if you're, if you are somebody who's outside the covenant with Christ tonight, you have no choice, but to sin. You have no choice but to sin. You're a sinner. That's why I don't get mad at sinners when they sin. It's what they do. They're sinners. How can you expect a sinner to do anything other than sin? It's their nature. It's their mindset. It's who they are. It's their whole identity. Sin. So I don't get mad at sinners when they sin. That would be like, you know, getting mad at a panther for being black. You can't. It's what they are. You can't yell at a panther because he doesn't look like a leopard. That would be insane. Can you imagine? Can you imagine cornering a panther in a cage and just screaming at the panther because he doesn't have spots? You know, it's like you, you would look like an insane person. He is what he is, and he has no ability to change it. It's the same with a sinner. Sinners are dead, the Bible says, in trespasses and in sins. They're, they're dead men. They have no ability to change their own life. That's why, you know, I get mad when I hear people, you know, they act like uh, like sinners need to get it all together and then go to church. It's like, I hear people say, you need to change your life and come to Christ. Well, that's impossible. Think about that phrase for a minute. Change your life and come to Christ. You can't do it. You have to come to Christ and he changes your life. You don't, you don't change your life and come to Christ. You come to Christ and he changes your life. Sinners are dead men with no ability to change their own lives. And so they've got no choice but to sin. Think about that. No choice but to sin. 
But a believer is different because a believer is born into a new kingdom and a believer has new power and new abilities and a new family. So a believer does not have to sin. Now, let me, let me make here a distinction to you, which we've talked about in the last couple of nights. I'm not telling you that believers cannot sin. Believers can sin. They have the ability and the free will to sin, right? But they don't have to sin. They don't have to sin. They're not compelled to sin. Do you understand the difference? They're not compelled to sin in a way that an unbeliever is compelled to sin. Why? Because once we become new creatures in Christ Jesus, old things are passed away. So the sin nature is taken out of us and a new nature is placed into us. And with that new nature, I'm a new creation, I'm a new being, with that new nature comes a new ability and a new freedom. We now have freedom over sin and the sin nature. Let me give you uh, what we're talking about here one more time from the 14th verse of Romans 6. Sin will have no dominion over you. So now as believers, remember this was written to believers, Romans 6. Sin has no dominion over you. I want you to put that in the comments section because it is vital that you catch this revelation tonight. Sin does not have dominion over you. It does not. You don't have, you can't use the excuse when you say, well, you know, we're all just human. Really? Is that your argument that we're all just human? Because that's not really the case for you anymore, is it? Because you've been made in the likeness and the image of God and you've been created as a new creation. You were uh, taken out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. You're not just merely human anymore. You're now a new creation, something that's never existed before. Think about that. Sin, write it in the comments. Sin has no dominion over me. It does not control you. Sin does not control the believer. Sin does not control the believer. The only reason a believer sins is because they choose to sin. Think about that. Believers don't sin because they're compelled to or that they have to, or it's just inevitable because we're just human. No, only reason a believer sins is because they choose to sin. Think about that. And you might ask, well, isn't that the same with everybody? Doesn't everybody choose to sin? No. Sinners can't choose to not sin, as I just explained. They cannot choose to not sin. They're dead in trespasses and in sins. It's all they can do. I'll give you it. Sinners can't live holy. They have no ability to live holy because sin does have dominion over them, but it doesn't have dominion over us. We dominate sin. Sin doesn't dominate us. We dominate sin. Sin doesn't dominate us. And so the first thing we've got to see is we're, you know, because the, the people think this people and in the comments, raise your hand. If you've heard this said or taught, well, we're just human. We're just human. There's nothing we can do about it. We'll sin and keep on sinning. We'll keep on sin. It's inevitable. We're just going to sin, sin, sin because we're only human. Think about that. Think about that. And so I want you to hear this. 
You've heard it. Look, people raising their hands. They've heard it. They've heard it. Well, we've sin, sin, sin. We'll all sin. You see? And so it's important that you make this declaration because it's not true. I actually had a guy tell me who, who was in Bible school with me. He said, well, I repent every night because he said, not, he said, I try not to sin, but you know what he told me? And I, I said this the other night. He said, you know, sometimes we sin and we don't even know we're sinning. I said, really? You believe that we can sin and not even know we're sinning? Oh yeah, happens all the time. Oh really? So the Holy Spirit went on vacation or how does that work? So how does that work? Holy Spirit went on vacation. He's not, he's no longer convicting you of sin. You believe you can sin and the Holy Spirit not tell you? That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. It's not how it works. The Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. And so there are people who will teach you and tell you that it is impossible. I'm going to break this down for you right now. It's going to blow somebody's mind. People will tell you it is impossible possible to live free from sin. Well, we'll all sin. No, you might sin. There's people that, you know, I'm not saying it's impossible to sin. It's possible to sin. But what I'm telling you, according to scripture is that once you get saved, you don't ever have to sin ever again. That blows people's minds. That blows people's theology right out of the water. But the Bible's plain about it. Once you get saved, you don't ever have to sin again. You don't ever have to, you don't ever have to sin again, ever. Let let me give you a few verses to show you. Of course, we know I just showed you this. Sin shall not have dominion over you. There is no sin that has dominion over you. Now go back with me to the book of Matthew chapter five. Matthew Chapter 5. Let's look at the words of Jesus himself. Now, this, this right here is so heavy. What I'm about to read to you, people don't even believe it's in the Bible or it can't, it can't mean what it says. There's no way it can mean what it actually says. <laughs> Watch. The Bible says. Verse 48, Matthew 5, 48. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus said that. That's crazy. That's crazy. If you you don't believe that believers can live free from sin for the rest of their life, what business does this verse of Scripture have being in the Bible. How could the Holy Spirit inspire this verse? How? If, I mean, read that again. Jesus said this. You therefore must be perfect. And he defines what he means by perfect. Even as your father in heaven is perfect. Basically, Jesus is saying, be perfect like God. Be perfect like God. I mean, think about that. That blows people's minds. What? Jesus just told us, be perfect like our heavenly father. Yes. And by commanding you to do it, he empowered you to do it. 
It is possible to live and never sin again from this moment forward. It's possible. It's possible by the power of the Holy Ghost. So here, Jesus commanded it. He commanded it. Now go with me. Go with me to 1 Peter. I'm going to show you another one. Blows people's minds. 1 Peter chapter 1. Turn there with me. 1 Peter chapter 1. And um, I'll read you a few verses here. Let's start with verse 13. 1 Peter 1.13. Listen to this. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Think about what this is saying. Don't go back and start doing what you used to do before you got saved. Don't go back. Peter's telling, he's commanding you. Don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he, this, this, this will be mind-blowing to people, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Not some of your conduct, in all of your conduct. Verse 16, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy, says the Lord. Peter's quoting from the book of Leviticus there. Think about that. Daphne said, my 14-year-old is asking, is there anyone, there's no one that could have done it the way Jesus did it because he was born without sin. He was compl- He was born with no sin in his, in his life because his father was not the one that initiated his birth. It was the Holy Spirit. So Jesus had no sin, but everyone else in history was born into sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Christ was the only sinless one. But after you're saved is what we're teaching. After you're saved, you can live free from sin. Look at this. Be ye holy, even as I am holy, says the Lord. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, 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 conduct yourselves with fear, knowing the time of your exile. Notice I wasn't there a broken record. I wanted you to hear that how, how God judges, he judges each one impartially according to what your deeds, according to what your deeds, according to what your deeds has nothing to do with the way the false hyper grace message teaches it. That, well, he doesn't judge us based on what we do. He judges us based on what Jesus did. That's not what the Bible teaches. Here in 1 Peter, the one, him as the father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds in the context of holiness, in the context of living holy. It's the same thing that Jesus said to the churches in Revelation. I know your deeds. I know what you're doing. And you don't love me like you once did. And if you don't get your act together, I'll come back here and remove your candlestick from among the churches. It's a warning. Jesus didn't say, well, you know, uh, because I've already shed my blood, I look at you through the filter of my blood. It's not about what you're doing. It's about what I've already done. No, he warned them and said, if you don't go back to the way you used to love me and return to those original works and ways, I know your deeds and I'll come back here to the church and remove you. 
I'll remember. So it, it's not what is taught in the popular message of today, that you can just live however you want and Christ is pleased with you and God is pleased with you. The Bible doesn't teach that. Holiness, separation from sin is the master key to the blessings of God. And the good news is you have dominion over sin. You can dominate sin in your life. You can dominate sin. You can dominate sin in your life by the power of the Holy Ghost. No question. Paul taught the churches that that's what they must do. He said, you got to do this. He said, I have to do it myself on a daily basis. Let's go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul said, I've got to do it myself. And I'm, a, I'm an apostle and I've got to do it. Notice this. 1 Corinthians 9 and... Uh, Let's start reading with verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath but we unimperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. Verse 27, here it is. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Hallelujah. Look, the actual Greek, listen to the actual Greek. I pummel my body and make it a slave so that after having preached to others, He said, or else after having preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Do you see what Paul's teaching here? If I don't control myself, it doesn't matter how many people I preach to. It doesn't matter how long I minister for Jesus. Doesn't matter how many letters I write. If I don't control my own flesh and my own carnal nature, I could get to the end of my life and be disqualified from what? The prize, from the prize. You notice what he's teaching here. I mean, I don't understand how those that don't believe uh, in the ability to be an apostate, someone who leaves the faith, these people that believe in eternal security uh, in, in such a way that once you're saved, you're saved forever, and there's no way to leave salvation if you're a true believer. Well, unless, unless you believe Paul wasn't a true believer somehow, but God was just using him to write most of the New Testament, but he wasn't a true believer because Paul said by inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he had the ability. He said, I'm running in a race. We're running to obtain a supernatural and eternal prize. That's the whole context of this passage. He's saying some people run for, for a perishable prize. We're running for an imperishable prize, heaven, eternal life. That's what the race is all about. And he said, that's why I don't run aimlessly. That's why I don't shadow box or beat the air, but I run that I may obtain. And I discipline my body on a daily basis so that after having preached to others, I won't become a castaway or a reprobate or a disqualified as this translation says. You see, so Paul knew it. Paul knew it was possible to become an apostate, to leave the faith, to fall away, to backslide. 
And he said, if you don't control yourself, you'll let your carnal nature take over and your spirit man will be kicked to the back. Your new creation reality will be kicked to the back of the bus and your flesh will control you. Your flesh will control you. And, and here's why. Let me show you what he wrote to the Galatian church. Galatians 5.17. Look at this. Hope you're taking notes in your, in your notebook or Bible or whatever so that you can reference these verses later to see what I'm talking about. Jacob's asking on YouTube, how do we discipline ourselves? And I'm going to deal with that tonight. I'm going to give you two main ways to keep yourself under control. Two main ways. Two, there's only two reasons that Christians fall into sin or their, 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 um, their carnal nature takes over. There's only two Bible reasons why that happens. Just two. And uh, I've touched slightly on a third, but it's, it's really having to do with the other two. We are to exercise self-control. That's a fruit of the spirit. That's right. That's right. Galatians 5.17. Listen to this. Actually, let's start with verse 16. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. They're war. One translation says they're at war with one another. So your flesh is at war with your spirit. Your flesh is at war with your spirit. That's why you have to take control by the spirit and make your flesh do what it should do. You make your flesh, you, you make your mouth say what it should say. You make your mouth confess what it should confess and not speak evil and not speak fear and not speak doubt and not speak unbelief. You make your mouth say what the word of God says. What about my, I've got thoughts all the time. You know, I've got, and I can't control the thoughts that pop into my head. People say that kind of stuff. People say those kinds of things. I'm going to show you another verse real quick. Let me show you this. Because... It's very important. Go to 2 Corinthians 10 because we're, we're taking authority. It's what we're doing. Taking authority over us. We've got to take authority over us because the flesh, until your body is glorified in the rapture or at death, really in the rapture because now that'll be when our bodies are connected back to our spirit men if we're dead. At the rapture, your body will be glorified. That's when the sin nature is taken away from your physical body. But until then, your flesh will want to sin every day. You gotta make, it'll want to sin every day. Listen to people say, well, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I have thoughts popping all the time and I can't control my thoughts. Well, listen to what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 10, 9, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion. It's verse five, raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive. This is 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. I'm sorry if I said nine. It's 2 Corinthians 10, verses four and five. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They have divine power to destroy strongholds. 
We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive and make it obey Jesus Christ. Think about that. You have the dominion to take every thought captive, make it a prisoner and force it to obey Jesus Christ. I, when I was a youth pastor years ago, people, I used to have young people that would come up to me and say, well, Pastor Ted, I, I can't control the thoughts that pop into my head. And I said, well, no, you can't, but you can control whether or not you dwell on those thoughts. If a thought comes to you that's not a holy thought, you can take it captive and push it out. You can control whether you dwell on it or not. Got to control yourself. Control. That's why. Remember this. Anybody that's foolish enough to say, well, I hear these preachers preaching on uh, just, you know, make it, you know, uh, controlling yourself and making better decisions. and They're just preaching a self-help gospel. Let me tell you something for, for every knucklehead preacher that talks like that. You don't realize that nobody can control themselves without the power and assistance of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand the gifts of the spirit are from the spirit, but guess what? Guess what else is the fruit of the spirit are from the spirit. So it's impossible to always walk in love without the Holy ghost. It's impossible to always walk in joy without the Holy ghost impossible to always walk in peace and patience and gentleness and goodness, kindness, meekness, faith, temperance impot without the Holy ghost. But remember one of the fruit of the spirit, self-control which I believe is the most important fruit of the Spirit because without that one, none of the other ones work. Without self-control, you'll fly off the handle. You won't walk in love, won't walk in joy, won't walk in peace, won't walk in gentleness. Self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Ghost is needed in your life to have proper self-control. It's not self-help. It's Holy Ghost living. Holy Ghost living. And you've got to have dominion over sin. But remember, you have to exercise that dominion over sin or else it'll do whatever it wants. Your flesh will run rampant. It will do whatever it feels like doing. Anything that feels good, it'll do. So you have to exercise dominion over the sin nature that's in the flesh that you have. It's not in your spirit like it is in sinners. It's not in your soul. You have the ability to have the mind of Christ and wash that mind with the washing of water by the word. You can renew your mind. You can set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. Whatsoever things are pure and holy of a good report, if there be any uh, praise, any virtue, think on these things. You can control that, but you have to understand your flesh is what's giving you problems. Your flesh wants to do what feels good. So here's what I want you to see today is that holiness, separation unto God, the ability to obey this word is what sets you apart. And this is what gives you power. Can I tell you just some amazing blessings that come to people that will just simply obey God's word and live holy? Because remember this, Jesus taught, if you obey his word, John 14, 21, if you obey his word, it is the purest proof that you love him. And he said, if they love me, my father will love them and I will love them 
and I'll manifest myself to him. If billion is on, she'll know that we use the word emphasizo there. I'll reveal or manifest myself. And we showed how it meant I will emphasize myself to them. And so that is a blessing that's not for everybody, only those who are obedient to God's word. That's called holiness. Holiness is the master key. Let me give you some of the blessings that come on people who choose to live holy. Number one, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will just be added unto you. Read it in context. What other things? What you'll wear, where you'll sleep, all the things that people need in their everyday lives. It's not talking about spiritual things. It's talking about natural things. Food, clothing, a house, everything like that. Matthew 6 is talking about that. And all those things will be added unto you. What's the prerequisite? Seek the Lord first, his kingdom and his righteousness. That's holiness. Living right before the Lord and everything else will be added. Psalm 84 and verse number 11. Psalm 84 and verse number 11. The Bible says that the Lord our God is a sun and shield and he gives more grace and glory and he will withhold no good thing from those who walk uprightly. That's holiness. He will not withhold any good thing from those that walk uprightly. Hallelujah. Not one good thing. So one of the benefits, as we've seen Matthew 6, 33, but Psalm 84, 11, nothing good will be withheld from people that obey God's word. It's the open door of blessing. It's the open door of blessing. What does Isaiah 119 say? If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Willing and obedient, you'll eat what? The good of the land. Not you'll not not the barely get by, not the scrape the bottom of the barrel, the good. The good of the land. You know what's interesting? You've heard me tell the story. Because it always makes me think about it. There's a big difference between a filet mignon from Capitol Grill or Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and Steakums from the frozen food section. Big difference between Steakums and a filet mignon from a high-end steakhouse. They're both quote-unquote meat, <laughs> but one is much, much different than the other. The good of the land. That's what. How do you get it? You're willing and obedient. All obedience is, it's obedience to God's word. That's holiness. You'll eat the good. You'll eat the best in the land. Job 36.11. I love this one. Book of Job chapter 36 and verse number 11. Listen to this verse of scripture. Powerful. If they will listen and serve him, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. Or this translation says pleasantness. They'll spend their days. What's the, what's the prerequisite? If they'll just listen and obey. Listen and obey. Listen and obey. And all you'll have, you'll spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasures. What's the only prerequisite? Obey. Obey, be obedient to the word of God, obey. 
I mean, you look at uh, Deuteronomy, that's Isaiah 1, 19. From the other one. That was Job, Job 36, 11. If you look at Deuteronomy 28, 14 verses long for obedience. That's just for obedience. You know what? Let's read it. Because we're talking about dominion over sin. When you take dominion over sin, the blessings open up. Hear me. When you take dominion over sin, the blessings open up. The floodgates open up. Sin is a killer. It kills everything it touches. Every aspect of your life sin touches, it kills it. It'll kill your relationships. It'll kill your mind. It'll kill your physical body. It'll kill your finances. It kills everything it touches. That's why you've got to take dominion. Let me just read to you Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14, just so you can get a picture of what obedience brings to God's people. Let me go through these real quickly, just, just for those that are with me. Deuteronomy 28, and if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. So right there, that's like promotion. That's divine promotion and influence. Promotion and influence. And verse two, and all these blessings shall come on you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord, I love this one. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake. And he'll bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. <laughs> the Lord will establish you as a holy people unto himself as he's sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. All the peoples of the earth will see that you're called by the name of the Lord and they'll be afraid of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity. Stop right there. The Lord will make you abound in prosperity. That's verse 11. Abound in prosperity. Say it by faith. I will abound in prosperity. I want you to put that in the comments. I will abound in prosperity. Hallelujah. And you will abound in prosperity in the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your livestock and in the fruit of your ground within the land the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. Look at verse 12. It gets better. The Lord will open to you his good treasury the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. Thank you, Lord. And you shall lend to many nations and you'll not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you shall only go up, thank you, Jesus, and not down. 
if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today to the right hand or to the left or to go after other gods to serve them. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. You shall go up. I love that. You shall go up only and not go down. You shall go up only and not go down. You shall go up only and not go down. You're not called to go down. You're called to go up, up, up. Ever forward, never back. Ever forward, never back. That's our word. Ever forward, never back. I will abound in prosperity. Why? Because my ways, my actions are pleasing to the Lord. My actions are pleasing to the Lord. Even, listen to this, even every trap that the devil has planned to try to take me out or to destroy what I have, listen to this. The Bible says, all things, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Well, I love God and we know that the truest proof that I love him is my obedience to his word. So all things are going to work together for my good. Everything's going to work together for my good. I don't care what the devil tries to launch against you or against me. If we are obedient to the word, if we take dominion over sin, if we live holy, that's why I played the clip from uh, Bishop Patterson before we started tonight, the password. He said the password is holy. The password is holy. Hallelujah. And the reason I say that is because we're going to abound in prosperity. There will be nothing the devil could ever do that could take us out or hinder us or slow us down. The Bible says we will only go up and we will never go down. We will only go up and we will never go down. There's a verse that I wanted to find for you. And I just didn't know the exact uh, reference of the verse, but let me find it. Um, Jeremiah 30 and verse 19. Go there. Jeremiah 30. Listen to this. Thank you, Lord. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will restore the fortunes of the tents of Jacob and have compassion on his dwellings. The city shall be rebuilt on its mound and the palace shall stand where it used to be. Verse 19, Out of them shall come songs of thanksgiving and the voices of of those who celebrate, I will multiply them and they shall not be few. I will make them honored and they shall not be small. Thank you, Lord. I want you to write that in the comments. I'll never be small. Put it in the comments. I will never be small. 
as you turn into Psalm 34. I'm just giving you scripture tonight to show you the blessings, the blessings that come when you take dominion over sin. Listen to this. Psalm 34 and verse 4 and 5. I'll read it all. I'm going to read all the way. I'll read all the way through verse 10. Psalm 34, verses 4 through 10. Listen to this. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look unto him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. My face will never be ashamed in Jesus' name. I'll never walk in shame. I'll never live in shame in Jesus' name. Why? I look unto him. Our faces will be radiant and will never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Look at that. Divine protection is a blessing for obedience to the word of the Lord. Those that fear him. How do you know if you fear the Lord? Because fearing the Lord is obeying, reverencing him in all and obeying what he says and delivers them. Verse eight, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him. Thank you, Jesus. Look at verse nine. Those who fear him have no lack. (laughs) Hallelujah. Verse nine is powerful. Those who fear him have no lack in Jesus name. Verse 10, the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Those who fear him have no lack. So let me just explain something to you. When you take dominion over sin and you you force, by the power of the Holy Ghost, you force that flesh to be dominated by the Spirit and you live in holiness and you live in obedience. What does the Bible say? Those who fear him have no lack. They have no lack. Either the Bible's true or it's not true. It's either true All of these verses, it's not like I cherry-picked, by the way. I mean, understand this. It's not like I cherry-picked a verse and said, well, you see here, this kind of says that if you'll just live holy, you'll be blessed. I just went for, what, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and went from verse to verse to verse to verse to verse, Old Testament and New, and showed you that if you'll live holy. Let me give you another one in case you think, I mean, this, this is endless, Go to the book of Joshua. Look in Joshua chapter one. What did God say to Joshua? Listen to this. Chapter one and verse eight. This book of the law, that's the word. It's all the word they had back then. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful, careful to what? To do everything that's written in it, according to all that's written in it. For then, 
will you make your way what? Prosperous and you will have good success. When will you make your way prosperous? When will you have good success? When you are careful to do all that's written in the word. And there's another example where the Bible teaches that if you'll simply obey the word and live holy, you'll have no lack that you'll make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. It's sin that steals. It's sin that kills. It's sin that destroys. But holiness unleashes a blessing that is so overwhelming that nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. You will abound. You will overflow with all good things. All good things. Hallelujah. All good things. Let me tell you, I just took 25 minutes with you to go through every one of those scriptures. I didn't cherry pick one and try to harp on it for 50 minutes. Every one of those passages I took you to, Old and New Testament, all say the same thing. That if you'll live holy, if you'll walk according to what the word of God says to do, it carries its own benefits. Listen to this. Listen to 1 Peter 3.12. More benefits for obeying the Lord and living holy. 1 Peter 3.12. Listen. The eyes of the Lord are on who? The righteous. On the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So look at that. More blessings that come for holiness. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. Part of the benefit of living holy and taking dominion over sin is that God's eyes are always on you and his ears always open to your prayers. Whereas in the Old Testament, uh, David said in Psalm 66, if I had iniquity in my heart, the Lord wouldn't hear my prayers. So let me just tell you, holiness will cause you to abound with the blessings of the Lord. Abound. You'll abound. You'll overflow. There's no lack for those that fear the Lord. None. None. You cannot. I want you to write it. If I fear the Lord, I cannot lack. I cannot. I cannot. It is impossible. I am lack proof. I am lack proof. It's impossible. You can't lack if you fear the Lord. If you obey his word and live holy, you cannot. That's right. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Let me give you two things before we pray. There's only two reasons anybody ever, any Christian ever falls into sin. Only two. Only two. And we dealt with last night the importance of the relationships that you have. Many times people are defeated by their own relationships. But once again, it's because they're not obeying the word of God. The word of God tells us to guard our relationships and don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Tells us that. So by having wrong relationships, we're, we're not obeying the word. Reason number one, there's only two. I'm only going to give you two because that's all I can find. Two things, two um 
two habits. I was going to say that, Becky, but I didn't want to seem like I was making a play on words. Um, There's two habits you can employ in your life that will keep you free from sin. Two. Think how easy this is. Just two things. Two things. Look at this. And I'll give you a third. I'll give you a third just for good measure. But here in the scripture, you'll see this. Psalm 119 and verse 11. Listen to what the psalmist wrote. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. One translation, as you know, said, I've hid your word in my heart. I've hidden your word in my heart. So one of the things you've got to have is a steady influx of God's word going into your heart every day, every single day. Steady diet of the word of God. And it has to be more. It has to be significant. It's just like in your natural realm. You can't go around eating you know, miso soup every day at one meal a day and expect yourself to be satiated. You know, I call it poverty soup. If I go to a hibachi restaurant, I don't, I send the soup away. They'll come up and say, hey, it comes with your meal. Here's your miso soup. Take it away from me. It offends my faith. Dirty water with one piece of mushroom and one piece of tofu and some scallions floating around. I call it poverty soup. Looks like something they'd eat in the depression. Take it away from my table. I don't eat if you're going to call it miso soup, change it. It should be miso poor soup. <laughs> miso poor. <laughs> Take it away. I don't eat it. It offends my faith. Don't put a thing. Of, I'm hungry. Don't put a soup bowl down in front of me. That's got dirty water and it's got one piece of tofu, a little cube, and it's got a little piece of mushroom floating around and a couple scallions chopped up. That's not soup. That was whatever was left over from the depression. I don't want that. And so even, you know, I got I got all stirred up on that. I can't remember what I was talking about, but I'm so angry right now about miso soup. <laughs> so angry about miso soup. <laughs> I can't stand it. But you got to have a steady ingestion of God's word. You know, you can't eat that soup every day and expect to satiate yourself and expect your strength to grow. It's not going to sustain you. It's not going to sustain you. And so that's why we're taking you, giving you examples like this Bible reading plan that we're doing through, throughout this month. You know, what's to stop you from doing nine chapters a day of the Bible and going through the New Testament every month or going through the Old Testament with the New, you know, whatever it might be, you know, eat, continually eating the word of God into your spirit. You know what Jeremiah said? He said, Lord, I found your word, ate it, and it became joy and rejoicing to my soul. Proverbs 4 says it's health to your body. Jeremiah 15 says it's joy to your soul. Uh, Joshua 1 says it's prosperity and success to what you put your hand to do. It's everything you need. And if you'll fill your heart with the word of God, the Bible tells us you can store up God's word in your heart and you'll not sin against him. You'll not sin against him. It's like, it's like holiness fuel. Think about that. The word of God is like holiness fuel. Ingest it. And a good portion of it every single day 
of your life. Let's listen to Brother Kenneth Hagin uh, teach the other day. You know what he said? He read the New Testament over 250 times and portions of it more than that. Think of that. 250 times. If you just stayed on this one, I mean, think about this. If you stayed on this one track that we're on right now, where we're reading the New Testament every month, that's 12 times a year. In 10 years, that's 120 times. That's like doing this routine that we're doing for 20 straight years. 20 straight years of the New Testament every month, and then still more than that. That's how many times that man, and people say, I don't know, how, how did Brother Hagin know so many scriptures? It seemed like he'd quote scriptures all the, because he read the New Testament 250 times. Imagine what your spirit man would look like if you kept this kind of diet. Yeah, jump in, Maggie. Jump in from where we are now and just start uh, days one through five at the end of the month next month. Just do it like in a circle, like in a circular pattern. That's exactly right. You get something different every time you read it. Ingest the word of God on a daily basis. And, And the psalmist wrote, if I will Hide your word in my heart. I won't sin against you. Make it your number one priority. Every day, I must ingest the word of God. I have to. It is holiness fuel. It's holiness fuel. Fill yourself with the mighty word of God. Matthew 26 is number two. Matthew 26. See, there's so many commands. This this, this is very important. There's so many commands in the word of God, I was going to say number three would be guard your heart like Proverbs 4.23 says, but remember this, that if you're reading the word, it's commanding you to guard your heart. It's commanding to you to not look at evil things. It's commanding you to not speak evil things. It's commanding you to watch your company. It's com- it, So all the commands that are in the word are coming from the word. And if you read it, you know what it says. And if you know what it says, you can obey it. So this is holiness fuel. It's got to go in you every single day. And then go with me to Matthew 26. And I'll show you this before we pray. Jesus takes his disciples into the garden of Gethsemane to pray. And I want you to see this. Let's start with verse 36. If you got people on social media that are bothering you or offending your spirit or they're grieving your spirit, unfollow. You don't have to follow. Unfollow them. Unfollow them, block them, whatever you got to do. Psalm, uh, Matthew 26, 36. Let's start there. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. He said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he went uh, to be sorrowful and troubled. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. And verse 38, and then he said to them, my soul's very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther in, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me for one hour? Now, here's here's the key. Verse 41 is the key. Get this. Watch and pray. Watch and pray so that you may not enter into temptation. 
The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. So what's Jesus teaching here? He seems to be teaching the disciples that if you will watch and pray, it will strengthen you to not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How do you step up into strength? Pray, pray, pray. And notice the kind of prayer Jesus was talking about. He said, you couldn't even hang in prayer for one hour. That shows you he didn't think an hour was a long time. That's why we, that and other reasons in the New Testament, is the reason that we always encourage people to pray a minimum of an hour a day. That's why we give you prayer points. That's why we show you how to do it. Pray an hour a day. I promise you, if you'll pray an hour a day, and if you'll read the word of God every single day, it is hard to fall into a backslidden state. It is hard to fall into sin. It's hard, especially when you include with that praying in tongues, which builds up your most holy faith and edifies your spirit, man. That's what kept Jesus. He was was the word and he was always in prayer, always. Prioritize those two things. Um, I really, I don't know what, if Tiffany's watching, I don't know if she's on, but I have a podcast episode that would help you so much. Um, You could find it yourself if you just scroll back through my podcast, but I did a podcast episode called the 224 rule. The 224 rule. You need to listen to that. Two colon 24. You need to listen to that podcast episode because I talk about giving God a tithe of your day. Giving God 10% of your day for holy things. If you don't know, and I'll show you how I wrote it. Like that. Like it's the time of day 224. The 224 rule. What what it is, is it really stands for two hours and 24 minutes. Because if you calculate what 10% of 24 hours is in minutes, it's actually comes out to two hours and 24 minutes. And what I suggest to people is, I mean, we tithe our money. We tithe finances to our church. We tithe to the kingdom of God. But I thought to myself, what if you gave a tithe of your day to God? Imagine what your life would look like. I mean, that's true. And that was that was something that was said by other men of God like Lester Summerall, Maggie. If you'll pray in tongues every day, you won't you won't backslide. Uh, and I'm talking about praying in tongues for like he he said until you the quote is if you'll pray in tongues till you feel the anointing come upon you, then you won't backslide. But two hours and twenty four minutes. And what I encourage people to do is this: spend an hour in prayer of the two twenty four, spend an hour reading the Word, and spend the final half an hour listening to preaching and teaching. Spend an hour praying, an hour reading the Bible, and the final 24 to 30 minutes listening to preaching and teaching. Whether you turn on Miracle Word Radio or whatever you might do, fill your spirit with preaching and teaching. That's impartation. Pray, read, listen. Pray, read, 
listen, the power of the 224 rule, giving God a tithe of your day, a tithe of your day. And I'll tell you, it will change your life. It'll change your life. It'll keep you from sin. It'll allow you to have dominion, full dominion over sin in your life. There's only two reasons, as I just read to you. People don't read the word enough and people don't pray enough. And people that do people that don't do those things. People that do those people that do those things, they do not have a strong spirit. They do not, they're weak in spirit. As Jesus said, they're weak in spirit. Why? Not because God made them weak, because they don't have the fuel in them to make them strong. The word and prayer are the fuel to keep you strong. The word and prayer are fuel to keep you strong. And on this first night of topical study, I want to encourage you to take these actions, take these steps we're talking about to have full dominion over sin. Everything, if I were to break it down for you, Delame, when I do my hour of prayer, nor there we go. Thank you, Tiffany, so much. It was episode on March 5th, 2018. Um, and it's episode 1805. You know, you don't you don't have to put the direct link. Just just everybody know that that episode is episode 1805 on the podcast. And so you can scroll back through my podcast list on iTunes or whatever you use and find episode 1805, and it's called the 224 rule. And go listen to it. But if you'll do it, you'll have fuel for increase. You'll have fuel for holiness. It'll keep you in a place where you're free from sin. It'll keep you strong. It will not allow you to fall into temptation. As many people are being tempted to do, and of course we live in an evil world, an evil society. We live in that, but it's important to get put God first. And if you'll do what I'm telling you, you'll have full dominion over sin and you will live in a place of freedom and the blessings of God can flow in your life. You have dominion on the earth from Jesus Christ. Sin shall not have dominion over you in Jesus name. Bow your head. Everybody that's watching, maybe you got a house party going on, join hands. Father, I pray now in the mighty name of Jesus that you would give us a burning desire. I mean a hunger that is not normal, a supernatural hunger to read your word and to pray. Give us that desire to read your word and to pray in Jesus' mighty name. And let us have fuel for holiness, fuel for increase. And let us please you with our lives. Lord, let our lives be pleasing unto you That's our desire. Don't let us offend you with our lives, grieve you with our lives, sadden you with our lives. But in Jesus' name, let us please you with our lives. In Jesus' name, we will be set apart. We will do what you've asked us to do. In Jesus' name, we will be faithful servants of God. And as we obey and as we're willing, we thank you that we will eat the good of the land. We will always eat the good of the land. We will never lack for any good thing. Keep us in purity. Keep us in holiness in Jesus' name. Keep sin far from our homes. Keep sin far from our children. Keep sin far from our grandchildren in Jesus' name. 
We thank you, Lord, that we will be those that stand for the righteousness of God in Christ. We will stand for the things that please the Lord, and we will not conform to this world or its culture or its way of living, but we will be completely separated, completely holy in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we praise you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you believe that prayer and you receive it, throw some fire in the comments section. Let me know you receive and believe it in Jesus' name. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.